0: Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for each and every one of these students here, Lord, and just the opportunity for us to all be gathered physically in one place. I pray that you would bless what we talk about this evening. I thank you that you've given us the gift of prayer, the ability to communicate directly with you and not have to use someone uh, in between. Um, Lord, I just pray that uh, everything we talk about would glorify you tonight and that This message would impact all of us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are talking about Ephesians 1, 15 through 20, or the true purpose of prayer. So Paul says, "...for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers." That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. might be a basic question. Prayer, quite simply, is our response back to God. God reveals himself. He talks to us through his word. Prayer is our response, how we talk back to him. And for a Christian, Paul's saying that prayers are necessary. They're like breathing. If we want to be spiritually healthy, we have to be in prayer. Just like if you neglect exercising, eating well, Taking precautions, you will become unhealthy. If we neglect prayer, we will become spiritually weakened. So, how is Paul praying here? What does he say about prayer to the Ephesians in this passage? First, he says he is praying unceasingly, which means he's praying continuously. Now, think if you were the Ephesian people. Paul at this time is probably the greatest leader of the early church. Think how you would feel as members of this congregation if you had the greatest leader in the entire church sending you a letter saying, I'm praying for you guys continuously. He's taking time out of his very busy schedule to focus on these individual believers in this this one certain church. He's also praying, not sporadically, He's doing it all the time. He's praying generously. Notice, he's not praying for himself. He's praying for these people. And he's praying gratefully. He is thankful to what God has given him. He's appreciating God's work in the church, in Ephesus, and in the lives of others. He's thanking God in his prayers. He says, I'm thanking God for you, the Ephesian church. Think about your own life. Some of you probably don't pray regularly. Those of you who do, how regularly are you praying for others? Are you focusing your prayers on those around you? Are you focusing your prayers on the world? Or are you focusing, when you pray, just on yourselves? So what is prayer about? Prayer is not about providing for ourselves. It's not about treating God like a genie and asking him to fulfill whatever we want fulfilled, asking him to give us whatever we want. Prayer is instead about growing closer to God, about learning to care about others more than ourselves. It's not about us trying to fit God into our plans, but it's submitting ourselves to his plans. Let's expand on those last two points for a second. First, Everything in the Christian life is about others. In essence, the Christian life is about denying ourselves, denying what we want for the good of those around us. I gave a sermon in chapel at school today about love, and the essence of love is an action, not a feeling. It's an action towards other people. It's giving of yourself for other people. Prayer is the same way. We should be praying for other people. We should be focusing our efforts on interceding to God for others, not just for ourselves. Secondly, it's not about us trying to fit God into our plans. Again, God is not your genie. God is not there to grant your magic wishes that you ask from him. Instead, we need to pray that God would reveal his plans to us and would use us to work out his plans. That he would use us to work in the lives of those around us. How many of you have heard of John Calvin before? Okay, most of you. So John Calvin was a famous reformer in the 1500s, and he gives six reasons why Christians should pray. He says, first, we need to learn to depend on God. We need to realize that we rely on him for everything. Secondly, we need to purify the desires of our hearts. We pray to refocus where we're spending time and thought. Third, we need to be content with whatever he provides. The Christian life is not one in which most people will have the most power, fame, riches. That's not what Jesus promised us. Instead, We are going to suffer. We are going to be persecuted. So we have to be content within that persecution. We also need to appreciate his generous faithfulness. That's part of the reason we pray. We want to appreciate how, even in the midst of bad situations, God is faithful to us. We also pray to enjoy the gifts he has given us without guilt. And finally, We pray to trust him constantly to provide for our daily needs. So yes, there are elements where we're praying for ourselves, but that is not the focus. Paul says that should not be our end goal of prayer. That should not be where we spend most of our time. So if we go back and we look at the passage, Paul prays three things specifically for the Ephesians. He prays for them to know God better. He prays for them to know the hope to which he has called them. And he prays for them to know God's power. In knowing God better, what Paul is saying is he's asking God to allow the Ephesian church to basically know more about him. To realize who he really is. To connect deeply with him. And he says, this is not only essential for Christians, but it also gives us comfort because he's in control of all things. Think about how often you struggle in your lives. Think about how often something doesn't go according to his plan. Paul's saying we pray for others because we don't need to despair in those situations. God is still in control of those things. He also says that he wants the Ephesians To know God better so that through the Spirit, we not only know about God, but we know him personally. Again, the beauty of prayer is that we're not praying to some person we can't know. We're not praying to, say, the Pope, who most of us will never meet. We're praying to a God who personally wants to know us, who we personally can have a relationship with. But to know how to do that, we have to know not just about him. We have to know him, who he is, what it means to follow him. Paul says he also prays for the Ephesians so that they would know a greater hope. He says we need to be in prayer so that we see the point of our suffering in God's plans. As Christians, we believe that God has a reason for everything. All things work together together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if that's true, that means he has a plan for our suffering. That means that each and everything that we go through, that we struggle with, it has a purpose, and that purpose is drawing us closer to him. That allows us to also have faith to live according to his promises. This isn't the end. This world is not our goal. We're not working for things on this earth. We're working because we believe in something. Something in the future, something not of this world. It gives us hope in the inheritance that is promised to us. The very definition of faith given in Hebrews 11 is that it is the subject of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is working towards those things that we might not physically see on this earth, but we will experience in the future. So in, pray, in praying to God, we develop that relationship, and we can better rely on that hope and understand it. Finally, Paul says, we pray to know God's power. He says we should be comforted because God's power has already been demonstrated in the resurrection. So part of our hope that we are looking forward to is the fact that one day we will be resurrected and be with God eternally. We don't have to be in doubt of that power because he's already done that through Christ. And just as Christ is the son of God, we will be adopted sons of God following in his resurrection. A resurrection that is secured by his dominion. Because he has been raised to God's right hand, He has the power to see this through. The final reason that Paul gives to know his power is that the church as the body of Christ is constantly being provided for by God. We pray to be reminded of how God is always in control. We pray to be reminded of and for others throughout the world, our brothers and sisters, This is necessary and timely right now, as our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are being hunted down and killed for their beliefs. We're not experiencing that here. Hopefully, we never will in our lifetimes. So I dare say what they're going through is probably more important right now than whether or not we are doing bad on a math assignment or whether or not we had an athletic game coming up that's not going well, or we don't expect to go well. Paul's point in saying all this is that prayer is useful for several things, but prayer ultimately needs to be focused on others. We should be praying for one another, less focused on our own desires, our own selfish wants, our own needs even, and more focused on Praying for the sustenance of others. Praying for the provision of others. Praying that others, that our brothers and sisters, remember the hope to which we are all called.